How's it going, Chiefs Kingdom? And welcome to episode 33 of the Great British Chiefs Show. Sadly, Tom won't be joining us this week due to an illness. Personally, I think he's eating too many mince pies and can't get off the sofa. But I'm very pleased to welcome Rocky Magania from the AP Rapid Reaction Show. How are we doing, Rocky? Oh, man, I'm just happy to be here across the pond, you know? <laughs> I love the Great British Chiefs show. I am a stand account for this show. And so anytime I get to be on it, it's the highlight of my week. Yeah, you were on it with Tom before, weren't you, when I was off with COVID? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. You enjoyed yourself, didn't you? You seem to enjoy yourself on that show. <laughs> oh man, I tell you what, I just I like the free I like the freewheeling form of it of this show. And I yeah. just I, I I'm just happy to be here and just to you know dig into the game, dig into the Chiefs and just see what we got going on. I appreciate you coming on, mate. I mean, we we've not really talked much um over this over this time. I know we both work for our head pride, but we never really get the chance to talk much. So it's gonna be great this that I can get a, a chance to talk to my man Rocky. We talk quite a lot on social media, but this is where it's at, man. This is where it's at, isn't it? <laughs> this is this is where we become real friends. Yeah, know? we're no longer we're no longer work acquaintances or Twitter acquaintances. We're friends now, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, brilliant mate. It's all good. This week's show, we're, uh, we'll be running through the obviously the key moments from the fantastic victory over the LA Chargers before taking a first look at the Chiefs' Week 16 opponents, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, one, one of my old enemies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll get straight into the key points of the game um, of, of the Chargers game. I mean, this was this felt like a playoff game, didn't it? This was this was like one of those moments where. You felt this was a memorable game from the season. Um, I actually thought we were meeting somebody in the next round. That's how I felt after this game. I don't know how you felt, Rocky. I mean, it literally felt like it was the game for the division. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it felt like it was a game for the first round by in the playoffs as well. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs still got to take care of business moving forward. But I can't think of a bigger regular season game that we've had in the last couple of years. And I'm sure um on the other side of things it's the biggest game of justin herbert's career today yeah. i don't think he's i don't think he's played in a more meaningful game than when he played against the chiefs so it, i mean there was a lot on the line last week yeah we were saying that this is very much one of the biggest games he's ever played isn't it um it was almost like the Chargers super bowl i mean the, the crowd was into it as well i know there was a lot more chiefs fans which there always is isn't there at the uh, the chargers stadium but it just felt as though there was something really riding on this. And especially with the way the rest of the, the week's games went, uh, this was even bigger game, wasn't it? For the fact that all the other, uh, all the other AFC rivals that um, you expected to win didn't quite manage it. Did they? <laughs> no, not at all. And, you know, it's when you look at the, all the top teams in the AFC, um, every team has their thing that, you know, their shortcoming. Uh, you, a lot of the national media have been harping on, you know, Patrick Mahomes isn't Patrick Mahomes all season long. And there's a lot right now of yeah, buts when it comes to the Chiefs. Well, the Chiefs aren't the best team in the AFC because, but, you know, because of this reason. Mm. And every AFC team has their reason. There's Right now, I think a lot of the national pundits just don't want to admit that they were wrong. And Patrick Mahomes was broken but he's not broken anymore and they're expecting him to be broken for the season and our boy said no way man no way we're uh, uh i might be down now but i'm getting up off this canvas and i'm coming back <laughs> slugging and 
And I'm going to look right at your sideline when we score a touchdown in overtime and tell you that I'm back. You know, you thought I was gone, but I'm not gone. I'm back like Jason in a horror movie and I'm your worst (laughs) freaking nightmare. That's, that's what's going on right now. Do you think that's the main reason why the, uh, these pundits aren't really giving the chiefs the recognition you, you feel that they've doubled down on, on their earlier predictions in the beginning of the season. We've all obviously seen the likes of uh, Stephen A. Smith, um, saying that you know the Chiefs are done, all done. Uh, I think Irvin said they were done. Stick a fork in them. That, you know, it was there was a lot of that going on. Is that what you feel? You feel that the this media now is just double downing on it and just hoping that the Chiefs trip up at some point. I do. I think there's a piece of that. I also think the Chiefs have been so exceptional, exceptional on offense the last couple of years that just being really good on offense seems like you know, they're not good, right? There's a little bit of a comparison thing there. Um, If Lamar Jackson was playing like Patrick Mahomes is right now, people would be going nuts and putting him in the MVP conversation. Um, Obviously, Lamar needs to get healthy first, but I think there's a little bit of that. I think Ryan Clark last night on ESPN, you know, he was doubling down big time on, oh, the Chiefs aren't the best in the AFC. The best team probably didn't even win on Thursday. And listen, you got to play the games and you got to come out on top. The Chiefs were shorthanded. The Chargers had injuries. That's the nature of the league that we play in right now is that COVID is a factor. Injuries are a factor this late in the year. Mm-hmm. But you are your record and you are your matchups, right? And, who, and, 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 and you are the games that you win. And right now the Chiefs are riding a winning streak that's not, it's incomparable in the rest of the NFL. They're the hottest team in the NFL right now, and they're the number one seed in the AFC. And people don't want to give them the respect that they've earned, you know, through this kind of battle-weary season that they've gone through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the, the players, on both, like you said, on both sides, you know, we, we had injuries on both teams. Um, but I think one of the biggest misses in this game was clearly, for the Chiefs' point of view, was Chris Jones. Um, you know, the pressure that we needed, obviously, to get on to, uh, to, to Justin Herbert, we needed that guy, didn't we? We needed Jones to really kind of make make something happen in this game. Um, and it's it's crazy to think that you know the defensive ends didn't really have much of a, a, a you know a say in this game as much, um, especially with that Chargers O line as well. And I don't know what you felt about that about the, you know about the the whole thing with, uh, with with Chris Jones and and did you feel that there was a big big difference there? There was a was there a big hole missing there? Do you think? I think on this defense, uh, aside from Tyron Matthew, there's not a single player that's more crucial to the other players around him mm-hmm. as Chris Jones. He is kind of the hint, the, like, like the, the linchpin that it all swings on. Um, Chris Jones makes Jaron Reed look really good next to him. You take Chris Jones away and Jaron Reed, you know, has a pretty quiet day. Mm-hmm. Chris Jones pulls the double team, which frees up Melvin Ingram. You know, and if there's complete chaos going on that side of the of the line, it frees up Frank Clark. The whole thing is a domino effect with those front four there, but it all kind of hinges on Chris Jones just getting in there with his, you know, otherworldly strength and and disruption and bull rushing, you know, swiping, clubbing, and just and just fighting through the the interior of the line and collapsing everything, and then forcing the quarterback outside of the pocket into the arms of the waiting edge players, you know? So I don't think, I think it was 
it was probably the biggest one of the biggest losses that we've had all season, you know, not having Chris Jones. If you think about earlier in the season when Jones was injured, yeah, um, it was kind of the same thing. Um, a healthy Jones makes the rest of the front floor, front four, um, excuse me, look exceptional. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. I think there was a lot made of, obviously, this defense not looking as good at the beginning of the season. And one of the main reasons was Chris Jones wasn't quite 100%, was he? Um, so, But the first half of this game was literally a tale of two quarters, wasn't it? The Chiefs really kind of dominated the first quarter. The Chargers dominated the second. And we had a, we had a brief glimpse of uh, Burton again. Burton, the fullback, really kind of making a statement in this game. He had a, he broke through on a, on a wonderful run that he had there. He looks he looks a lot more agile, I think. Even as a fullback, he looks a lot more agile, and uh, he seemed to really kind of stamp his mark on this game, and especially getting a touchdown as well. Yeah, I mean, well, when you're used to seeing the sausage Anthony Sherman <laughs> out there at fullback, it doesn't take. Uh, too much to make a guy look fleet of foot you know what i mean and so i loved anthony sherman when he was here but he wasn't known for his agility um oh. but i'll give you this you know i preseason i was questioning do we really want to use a roster spot on a fullback i mean it's 2021 and today's nfl and the chiefs passed almost more than anybody else in the league like what do we need a fullback for? But <laughs> I'll tell you what, when Burton's number is called, Burton comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, if for any other reason than that, he's a guy you can count on that comes in, you know, workman like, you know, blue collar type of player. He picks up his lunch pail and he goes to work every day. And if he's out there for seven snaps, you can guarantee that on those seven snaps, you're not going to have to worry about his assignment or what you're asking them to do. Um, and there's value in that, you know, on a team. So, you know, I'll eat a little bit of crow and say, I see the value in having Burton on the squad. You, you know, you can't just plug in a backup tight end and, and get the same value that you get from Burton, who's a fullback specialist, you know. So, yeah, Burton, man, if you ever hear this, you're great. You, you played a great game and I was really impressed by you. He definitely deserves a recognition, I think, for that, um, for those two players alone, really. Later on in that, uh, that first quarter, Bolton uh, tipped... Um, <laughs> tipped a, a pass basically to Hitchens, didn't he, for an interception? Um, how, how have you felt about Bolton? I mean, he's he's really kind of breaking down a lot of barriers at the moment, isn't he? Um, he's probably the top tackler on the team at the minute. Um, what's your view of him? So you know, coming in, Bolton's knock was: is he a top tier athlete that can play with you know NFL level athletes? Can he hang? Um, I think early in the season. You saw him struggle a little bit, you know. He's a rookie, so that's to be expected. Yeah, yeah. But the strength of Bolton's game isn't in his athleticism. He's a good enough athlete to hang, but it's all upstairs between the ears for Bolton. He sees yeah. the play, he diagnoses it, and the second that he diagnoses that play, he's downhill like a missile trying to trying to blow it up, right? And so I think that, I mean, if the Chiefs didn't have such great interior offensive linemen in this rookie class – you know, it's hard. To, it's, it's crazy to say that Nick Bolton is probably the third best rookie mm. on this team right now because he might be one of the top three best rookie linebackers in the NFL. Um, there's nobody other. Uh, there's nobody not named Micah Parsons who's putting up yeah. these this kind of these kind of numbers and having this kind of effect on the defense that he plays on. I think that if you watch um, having Hitchens back has helped him mm. a bit because. There's, you have a veteran presence there along the line. 
um, to help him kind of diagnose plays from the bounce things off of um, to kind of mentor him a little bit. And for as much as Hitchens has struggled at parts in this season, um, he's always been known as a great mentor to younger linebackers. And I think the Bolton has really benefited from that. I think vice versa as well. I think Hitchens has benefited from Bolton, um, you know, being that kind of tough tackler that we've got. And like you said, such an intelligent player as well. I mean, that's that's the thing that I recognise. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not this kind of you know um, watching tape kind of guy. I'm not that kind of you know that kind of person. But Bolton just seemed to just leap off the page for me out of this draft class, and he's been my favourite ever since we drafted him because. Seeing how he can read a game, the intelligence that the guy has was the thing that was the, the that was so different that I'd seen previously. It was almost like um, it was almost like a, a Derek Johnson kind of intelligence he's got there, um, and that's the thing that leapt off the page for me for, with Bolton. I just I just love the guy so much. He's brilliant. Yeah, moving on into the uh, second quarter, the Chargers got it together. Um, we were kind of expecting the Chargers to really kind of put up a fight in this, obviously, obviously with everything riding on the on the line in this game. Um, and they managed to get it together with uh, in the second quarter with two TDs and a fumble recovery after a hit on Mahomes. Now, what's your view on that? Because I actually thought that was a forward pass. I thought that was Mahomes make, making an attempted pass. But then the referee seemed to think that he'd fumbled it. Man, you never know anymore on these uh, fumble <laughs> yes, slash forward passes. A decade ago, that would have been an incomplete pass. You know, yeah. it wouldn't have even been questioned. Yeah. Um, but now you have to show clear forward motion yeah. of the arm, and his arm got hit right as he was getting ready to go forward. So then, well, so that even though the ball went forward, you know, was it his arm causing it or was it the impact? And you never know. It's so it's such a judgment call mm. at that point. I mean, the the real issue there is that Mahomes has to feel the pressure better, um, yeah. and 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 protect the ball there. Uh, I, I know he wants to make things happen. Um, you know that's that's you know we love Mahomes. Mahomes is the best quarterback you know to probably ever put on a Chiefs uniform when it's all said and done. But his one knock is he sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much, right? And he knows yeah. this. He'll admit that. He'll admit that about himself. And at that, in those sort of situations, he has to feel the pressure a little bit better and tuck the ball. Um, for the Chargers, though, on those two TDs, I really just thought they got clicking. They got the Chiefs defense on their he- on their heels. Mm. Um, and Eckler was a big part of that, which we weren't necessarily expecting coming into the game. Uh, but, you know, hats off to that guy. If he was injured, he didn't show it because he had a pretty good outing. and He, he represented him and his team pretty well. Um, but yeah, they got the Chiefs on their heels there in the second quarter, and I was worried that we were reeling a little bit. And we were kind of looking for answers, um, and they pretty much moved it at will there in the second quarter against us. Yeah, they sure did. Um, just to round it off at the end of the second quarter, Sorensen's block pass on the goal line. Well, that was that was something, wasn't it? I mean, Sorensen of the last few games has really kind of upped his game a bit, hasn't he? He's come up in the big moments. For, from all the from all the, the drama that was going on at the beginning of the season, everybody kind of you know pinning everything on Sorensen. He's really kind of you know showing his metal right now, isn't he? Well, I tell you, I tell you, for Dan Sorensen. It's all about putting him in a, in a position to succeed. Early in the season when they were trying to play him in that Juan Thornhill type of role, that he's he's just not that player, and he never was, even when he was younger. And now that he's lost a step, it's 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 setting it's setting up your player for failure. Um, but you get Sorensen in the box or close to the line of scrimmage, and you basically, you know, you give him one one zone read and say, if not, then 
then go. If not this, then go towards the quarterback. Yeah. Um, and he's that he's that guy who can diagnose and make a quick read, and then within five yards of the line of scrimmage, he has enough athleticism to make a to make a play in short space. You know, you get him out, you know, in the backfield, and you know, going sideline to sideline on a deep pass or on a crossing route, he's going to get in trouble. But yeah. you get him near the line of scrimmage within the first five yards, that's where he that's where he's 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 his strength and it's almost like a safety slash linebacker hybrid kind of in the box type of position that he really excels at yeah it's nice to uh hear his name in uh in positive terms now isn't it <laughs> yeah he really got I'm, some some bad juju going on there didn't he i mean i was i i i will raise my hand i threw some bad juju at him on the post game <laughs> shows and I love seeing Dirty Dan making positive plays because I'd much rather be a Dirty Dan fan and then I, and apologize later for the things that I said earlier in the season than just be right the entire season about what I said earlier on. It's like I said, though, it's fair to say that, you know, it's our job to really dissect things like this and go through who's playing well, who isn't playing well. And we've got to say that these, you know, sometimes these players don't have a good game. And we've got to, we've got to say that. We're always saying they were having a brilliant game every week. We'd be out of a job, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, you're just a bunch of homers at that point. And that's the whole thing is that, is that yes, we're fans. And that's that's kind of the hardest part is maybe that's why we even get a little passionate is because first and foremost, we are Chiefs fans. Yeah. But we like, we do have a job to do. And just because we say that this guy is playing horribly or he shouldn't be starting right now doesn't mean that we're not a fan of that guy. And that's kind yeah. of the, the give and take that you kind of have to like juggle a little bit in our position. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right. Um, yeah, basically onto the uh, the third quarter. And um, this was something that I was, I still don't know how he did it. Um, Tyreek Hill's mystery catch, as I'm going to nickname it, because I honestly thought it was incomplete when it was passed. Um, he, he ran a good route. Um, Mahomes aired it out. I mean, really aired it out. And, um, and for some strange reason i thought i looked away from the screen because i thought i'm gonna go and get another drink because that's clearly you know that's clearly incomplete and when i look back at the replay i was like oh my god he's caught it how's he how the hell has he caught that pass um i mean he managed to uh to uh, almost slow down the defender didn't he and and turn at the right moment and just gather it up underneath the uh, the, the, the defender's armpit that's what it felt like <laughs> just snatched it um just a hell of a play and, and, and really got everybody rocking again. And it's nice to see Mahomes and Hill connecting again in these big chunk plays, isn't it? Wow. I mean, this, this game by Hill, he was just off the charts in this game. And the thing with Hill is he's always been an elite route runner. He's always had elite speed. That's incomparable with any other player in the league, yeah. but attention, attention to detail and kind of like, what following the ball into his hands or allowing the ball into his body has kind of been his knock. We've seen a couple of interceptions this year where it goes off his hands and it's an interception. Yeah. But recently he's been doing a lot better job of catching the ball away from, away from his body with his hands and, and tracking the ball all the way through. And he made a great, a great play on that ball. It was underthrown, you know, just a tad. He turned his body, got it, got in good position to make the defender go through him and the concentration on that catch, uh, it's, it's, it's something that the rest of the league should be really concerned about because if Tyreek Hill develops hands like that moving forward, then he's by far the best, the best wide receiver in football. 
I mean, that's a Antonio Brown type of type of catch that made Antonio Brown famous yeah. and he made his name for, you know, so you take Antonio Brown's, you know, point of catch skills or DeAndre Hopkins point of catch skills and you mix that with Tyreek Hill's speed and agility, then, I mean, you, what are you yeah. going to do? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot been said about Tyreek Hill's uh, catching ability recently, hasn't it, where, you know, there's been a few interceptions caused by him, hasn't there, recently, where the uh, the ball's kind of pinged up in the air and uh, the, the defences have managed to snatch it. And it was nice to see Hill. It was almost like vintage Hill, wasn't it? It was almost like anything that's thrown at him. Uh, I, I remember a play, I can't remember who it was. It was against the Steelers. It might have been against the Steelers, where Mahomes aired it out. Um, I think it was back in 2018, I think it might have been. And he caught it one-handed in the end zone, um, just like scooped it up. Uh, you know, it looked like it was going to be an incomplete pass, but he scooped it up off the ground um, just just with ease. And it's nice to see Hill finding those kind of plays again. And again, I keep saying it, it's coming good at the right time. That's what I feel like at the minute. It feels like this this Chiefs offense is just starting to, click at the right time and they feel it too you can you can see that in how they play but there was another hill there was another hill route that we uh that uh, needs a mention really um he made a he made like almost like a spin move i don't know if you've seen that already rocky it was like a spin move in the the middle of the field and he just he just left his defender for dead as mahomes was spilling out the pocket to the right and mahomes just found him and i've said this before with tom i think i said on the last two shows that Mahomes seems to play better when he's off script. That's what I feel like Mahomes' game really kind of elevates over everybody else. If it's more scripted, it almost like ties him into that to that script. Um, but if he goes off script, wonderful things happen, don't they? Well, yeah, and I think with that, uh, he's just a backyard quarterback, you know, growing up. You know, yeah, yeah. 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 You run around, you wait till your friend calls 10 Mississippi and they start coming <laughs> after you and you run for your life and you're looking downfield for your friend. And Tyreek Hill's that friend, you know, who that that spin movie put on. I mean, that's why I said he's an elite road runner. There's yeah. there's not more than 10 wide receivers in the league who could run a route like Tyreek Hill does um, and just leave a guy like that. Uh, but yeah, you know, you, 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 you scramble for your life and then you're looking for your friend. And then you just find them and you hit it. And there's at least, you know, a handful of plays a game where Patrick Mahomes almost waits for the play to break down before <laughs> yeah, he, he decides to. to do something great, right? And yeah. it's almost like there's, there is an odd comfort zone there for him on those plays where other quarterbacks are kind of scrambling and, and panicking a little bit. Yeah. Um, Patrick Mahomes kind of, takes a deep breath and it's like, Oh, now I can scan the field and find the guy I really want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forget the roots, forget the root trees and everything. I'm just going to just do what I want. Um, but it, it's good that the rest of the uh, receiving core is really on board with that. Um, if the, if the, the play breaks down, they really do get open, don't they? And they make sure that they, they, they find a way of, you know, making sure that Patrick Mahomes is in that comfort zone and they're quite available at the time as well. The other good friend that Patrick Mahomes has is the one and only Travis Kelsey and we're going to obviously tie this up the first half of the show uh, talking about Travis Kelsey um I mean this was one of those those games by Travis that we haven't seen a lot of this season but when it really does work and like I said before in the earlier in the show when this team starts clicking when this offense starts clicking 
you feel it and you feel magic things are going to happen. And Kelsey is one of those magic people out there. One of those magic players that Mahomes just relies on, but the speed of the guy, it, it, it doesn't look fast as Kelsey, does he? But the way he managed to get around those Chargers defenders, um, I mean, I'm going, I'm skipping right ahead here to the, obviously the overtime, the overtime touchdown, but the way he manages to find a way to get open, then literally leave everybody in his wake is to me, he is the greatest tight end of all time. And it's probably hard to say that to some people because, you know, Tony Gonzalez is in some people's eyes, the greatest of all time. You've obviously got the Gronk fans. You've now got the Mark Andrews fans, haven't you? That suddenly appeared after the, after the last game with the Ravens. But for me, Kelsey's been that constant. He's been that consistent tight end that Mahomes has just loved having around. And um, it, it is that swagger back thing. Um, but Kelsey, 6,000 yards consecutively. You know, he's, he's done 1,000 yards per season, 6,000 yards altogether. I mean, you don't do things like that by accident, do you? No, you don't. And I said after the game that – with that, that overtime reception and run after the catch by by Kelsey, that's gonna be in his in his Canton highlight reel when he's inducted into the Hall of Fame someday. Sure, like yeah. that's that's one of those players. And you know, back in the nineties, they used to say that Vinny Tessaverdi was sneaky quick. Like I heard somebody use that on television one time to 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 describe Vinny Tessaverdi when he was scrambling with the ball. He was sneaky quick yeah. and he was a lot faster than he looked. And that's kind of how Kelsey is. And I think you saw that in that overtime reception, the Chargers defensive backs were taking terrible lines to the ball on him. They thought that they could get to him, but he was too fast. And then that caused them, you know, to have to turn around. And the, that play, if you watch it from an overhead view, there's a couple of graphs out there that show it. You could put the Benny Hinn music over it for those Chargers <laughs> defensive backs. They're running in circles, trying to yeah. over pursue and then coming back. I mean, but for Kelsey, the one thing that you can always tell about a championship-level player, like you want to talk about like any sport, the guy who, the guy, who, the guys who are the greatest of all time, the one thing they have is that when everything is on the line, that they fight through adversity and they find a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey gets beat up off the line every single play. He gets double teamed. He gets held. You know, I mean, there's not a single tight end that gets more attention paid to him. In the NFL, I don't care. George Kittle, Mark Andrews, anybody off the line of scrimmage. Travis Kelsey gets hit more than anybody else. And he has more to fight through than anybody else. And he finds a way to still get open, to get really open, not just a little bit open, but really open. And there's, there's not a more impressive tight end and in history. I don't think. And I was saying this the other day is Travis Kelsey's the best tight end to ever to ever play the game, in my opinion, he's the best to ever play for the Chiefs. And I love Tony Gonzalez. I grew up on some Tony Gonzalez. You know, being a Mexican-American guy, Tony Gonzalez was my hero growing yeah. up. But I tell you what, Travis Kelsey, he's better. He's, yeah. he's a more complete player, and he's better after the catch. And that's saying something, because Tony Gonzalez was great. And Travis Kelsey, though, I don't, I, he's the GOAT when it comes to tight ends. Yeah, I mean, Tony Gonzalez, you could see from obviously the Super Bowl, um, 
it was, you know, Gonzalez was on the sidelines and him and Kelsey were really hitting it off, weren't they? You, there was a, obviously a mutual respect there. Um, and, and Kelsey, he, he almost holds himself as he, he, yeah, he has that swagger. He has that, you know, that, that belief in himself, but he's not cocky with it. He's not arrogant with it. He's not the guy that, you know, you want to hate because he's so good. You want, you really want to see him do well. I mean, I'm obviously saying that I'm biased cause I'm a Chiefs fan, but there's got to be some Kelsey fans out there that just go, do you know what? That's the guy. If you're going to play a tight end, that's the guy you've got to watch. And you've got to watch him intently every single game because he is the guy that is really going to unlock defenses no matter what. Um, just a phenomenal player. And uh, obviously, he's going to be in Canton. <laughs> you mentioned that he's going to be in the Canton. You know, his Canton highlight reel is going to be phenomenal. Fast forward a little bit to uh, to, to this game because, um, yes, we obviously talked about the uh, the, the overtime touchdown that Kelsey had um there was the other one obviously where he ran about 70 yards I think it was wasn't it in total um and again it was another good route it was a brilliant route and 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 Kelsey made that made that play because he was wide open he was literally wide open in that play um and just denied just short of the goal line wasn't he with that play but all in all a phenomenal game and 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 one that even the uh the neutrals enjoyed the game as well because I think they kind of get it. I think they kind of got the whole uh, AFC thing and the whole AFC West, you know, be sitting in the driving seat. And the Chiefs really are in this game now, after this game, because we are now in the driving seat and we are the holders of our own destiny. And I'm so looking forward to the next few games just to see how this all plays out, because there's some big games coming up, I would say. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, huge games. Um, I mean, it starts this weekend with the Steelers. Yeah. But, I mean hopefully if we can take care of business the next two weeks, um, then, you know, we can maybe, you know, rest our players against, you know, Denver in week 18, but rest them against the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, rest cool. them against the, Like it's almost, um, hopefully we can, we can resume our annual tradition of resting our players against the Broncos. Um, and, you know, that's how Mahomes got to start, right? We rested our players against the Broncos <laughs> and he came out and he got his first NFL win. And then we said, wait a minute. This guy has something, but this was a, this is a really Kids good all right. <laughs> yeah, this guy's pretty good. Um, so, you know, you know, hopefully Chad Henney will get to come in and get a, uh, get a win, you know, yeah. against the Broncos in week 18, but we got to get through the Bengals first too. I mean, the Bengals are no joke. I mean, they got a strong squad. They got a dangerous offense. And mm -hmm. the problem we have right now is that the next two weeks, we have two teams that are really playing for something, yeah. you know? And so, they're going to be pretty motivated to come out and give us their best shot. And so we got to be, we got to be prepared for that. Yeah. It's, it's strange to think, obviously the Pittsburgh Steelers are, are still in the hunt, aren't they? In the AFC. So, uh, you know, they're definitely going to be a dangerous team, which we'll obviously go into after the break, but the Bengals, the Bengals are another team that, uh, you know, I think they're leading their division now, aren't they? Um, from what I remember. Um, so again, you know, there's two tough games coming up um, and I'm, I'm not, disrespecting the Broncos in that either. But, you know, the Broncos, um, we, we saw in that, that that game earlier in the year, it was a it, it was pretty much a, a, an easy ride for the Chiefs, in, I think, in that one. But, yeah, you're right. I think the next two games are definitely key for that. Right then, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be looking ahead to the Week 16 matchup against the Steelers. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there and welcome back to the Great British Chiefs show with myself, Brad Simcox and Rocky Magania. The 671 Steelers have had a rough start to their 2021 campaign, but since having somewhat of a resurgence midway through the season, the last five games have been a mixed bag of fortune and disaster, having tied with the Lions and being blown out 41-10 by their AFC North rivals, the Bengals. But after the Steelers helped out the Chiefs in week 15 by the beating the Titans, could the Steelers end up gate-crashing the party at Arrowhead? Rocky, this is going to be one of those games. I I still feel hurt by the Steelers, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. From uh, you know the games years gone by, um, I still feel a, a grudge against the Steelers. I, I didn't last week. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't feel that, that grudge last week because I think they did us a favor, obviously, against the Titans. But... It's kind of concerning to me now that they've managed to beat a team like the Titans. And um, yes, I know the Titans have obviously lost one of their big guys in, in Derrick Henry, but the way that this this week is going on, especially with all of the you know the players out with COVID or maybe out with COVID, um, it, it kind of gives me a bit of an unease on this. What about you, mate? Yeah, I mean, anytime we play the Steelers, I'm never you know cocky. And I don't think we got this. And I think that is a little bit of, you know, a little bit of, you know, residual from growing up and this, you know, and the Steelers kind of, kind of beaten us pretty handedly a few times. And we had a couple shots here and there where we would upset them, but every time we beat the Steelers, it was considered an upset and a big deal, you know, that the Chiefs beat the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And now obviously the tables have turned um, and the Chiefs are by far on paper, the better team. Um, but like I said a minute ago, the Steelers are playing for something and they're kind of backed into a corner and you don't ever want to come at, you know, a team when they're looking at that wild animal look in their eyes, like they're playing like like their seasons on the line, especially obviously Ben Roethlisberger hasn't had that good of a season this year, but this is his final season and he's the leader in that locker room. And so you better believe that there's players on that team who are going to try to give everything they got to try to give big Ben as good of an ending as possible. Yeah. They're, uh, they're obviously in a, in a, 
flying high at the minute, obviously, with that last game. I mean, the two previous games, I think they lost those, but they're now in this, um, you know, they're in the the, the positive mindset with uh, with, with their win-loss percentage. And um, you can't really count them out because they are, I mean, their defense is brilliant um, from what I've seen. I mean, the, uh, the, the defensive line seemed to rush um, the Titans very easily from what I saw. I mean, they were collapsing that pocket so with such ease. Um, and it's going to be a big test, I think, for the Chiefs' offensive line. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a team that has, you know, probably the best defensive player in football along their front four and TJ Watt. Yeah. And we're talking about a front four that's so good that Melvin Ingram couldn't get on the field against them. We're over here in Kansas City saying Melvin Ingram's a revelation for us, <laughs> and he's he's doing all these great things, and he's part of the reason why the defense has turned around and been so amazing. He couldn't get on the field in Pittsburgh, whether it's a scheme issue or a personality thing or whatever was going on there. Um, it could have just been a talent thing. I mean, they, they're really talented in their front four, and they got some guys who can really lay a thump, you know, yeah. on you. Um, they get a clean look at you. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily a, a game that's just going to be a walk in the park. Melvin Ingram is definitely going to be up for this. It's it a good point. I actually completely missed that. I'm glad you've uh, you brought that up, actually, Rocky. Yeah, um, Melvin Ingram, he has been a bit of a revelation. Um, he he has brought that balance, hasn't he, to this uh, the defensive ends. Um, and it'd be good to see him and and hopefully make a point in this game. I think. Um, just touching on what you were saying about TJ Watt, um, sack leaders on both teams. Uh, Chris Jones has got seven. He was our sack leader. TJ Watt has 17 and a half. That's how much of a threat this guy is, isn't he? Yeah, he has a whole season's worth of sacks more than our Already. highest guy. <laughs> and Chris Jones should probably have more if they hadn't, you know, we hadn't uh, experimented with him at defensive end so much early in the year. I think Jones's numbers might be a little bit higher. Um, but that's, you can't take anything away from TJ Watt. I mean, this guy, since he came in the league, has been, you know, an elite talent, you know, there's, there's the whole Watt family, you know, are good football players, but TJ's given his older brother, JJ, a run for his money as the best, you know, pass rusher in the family. And I I don't, I don't have JJ Watt stats in front of me, but I don't even think during his best years, he would, he rolled into this time of the year with 17 and a half sacks on his name. So, I mean, he's a guy, he's a guy you got to double team every single play. He's a similar kind of player to uh, the, the likes of Nick Bosa, isn't he? He's such a just just such a phenomenon, um, and you've really got to kind of keep an eye on the guy. And I think the offensive line this is going to be a big test. Um, and and like we said before at the beginning of the show, the Steelers are that kind of team that you know one or two things that they have uh, that that go, that are, is going right for them can really be a devastating approach to uh, to, to obviously taking out the uh, you know Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs. Um, and really kind of scupper those plans. So really got to kind of watch TJ Watt on this. Um, I'm interested to see uh, where you think this is. This game is going to be won and lost. Um, there's there's clearly a lot of talent on both sides of the ball for both teams. Um, where do you see this this, this game going? Um, wh- wh- what's the strengths and what's the weaknesses of both teams on this? So it's interesting that both these teams have really strong defenses, right? But they use them kind of to different ends. The Chiefs defense 
is kind of they use the Chiefs use their defense to kind of make up for any mistakes that the offense might make. You know, if the offense is clicking, the defense is kind of irrelevant with Kansas City because their offense is so good. Yeah. But if the offense makes some mistakes, they rely on their on their really good defense to kind of make those crucial stops and get the ball back. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the Steelers, they lean on their defense to keep the to keep the game close regardless. Because if the Steelers can keep the game within one or two, one score or less, seven points or less, then they feel like they got a shot of kind of, you know, grinding and slugging and kind of, you know, it, it almost feels like like playing the Steelers is like hiking uphill the entire game. Yeah. And the Steelers are hiking uphill next to you. And they're saying, well, listen, all I got to do is get to the top of this hill before you by one second faster. I don't care. If I beat you by one second or 10 minutes, whatever, I just got to get to the top of this hill. And I know that I can get there, you know, one or two points quicker than you can, you know? And so it's, it's going to come down to if the chiefs can really make the Steelers defense pay. Um, Joe Hayden is really great in the secondary for the Steelers. He's great in run defense, but he's also a solid cover guy. Um, if Kelsey can't go, that's going to be a huge problem. Yeah. Um, if Kelsey, that's that's really, really. I hope that Kelsey can go. We all do, but more more than anything, we want Kelsey to be healthy. But if he can go, then that's a night and day difference. If Kelsey doesn't go, then you got to look at who's going to make up that production. Um, is this going to be the Noah Gray game? You know? Uh, wow. Well, yeah, it could be. You know, yeah, it could be. It could be. But it also could be the Miko Hardman. 15 manufactured touch game you know (laughs) as well if kelsey can't go and so i think that it's a lot depends on on the health of the players as the as the game progresses and we'll see how uh how our how our new kicker is going to fare because it doesn't sound like bucker's going to be able to to go this week yeah, that's so, interesting, actually. Um, yeah, the other the other kicker is Elliot, isn't it? Which, uh, it, it, yeah, I can I can just feel the entire Chiefs kingdom shuddering at the name of Elliot. <laughs> he shall he who shall not be named. Yeah. Also, also shared the name of Elliot, and yeah, I mean the kicker's first name might as well be Voldemort. <laughs> no, according to Chiefs Kingdom, because. I wish I wish this guy nothing but the best. I hope he comes in and he fills in admirably. But there's a lot of uh, trepidation on the part of Chiefs Kingdom, I think. Well, I mean, you know, Booker was a fine, wasn't he? He he was a a, a good Veach find that he managed to uh, to grab out of nowhere. Um, and incidentally, I was actually at, at Booker's first ever debut game for the Chiefs. Uh, over in when it was against the uh, well now Washington Redskins, Washington. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Washington football team. I always get that wrong. I always get that wrong. Um, but yeah, hopefully the new guy is going to have a similar kind of approach to this. Um, he must be good if Features uh, has managed to pick him up out of nowhere. He must be good. I, I, I'm I'm trusting my faith in in uh, you know in Veach at the moment. I think with that. Um, talking about comparisons, the the, uh, the obviously the start of the second half of the show. Comparisons. Um, there's a lot being said recently about the Chiefs' rushing attack and how it can be developed into more of a receiving threat. And we've seen that recently with Daryl Williams being that kind of um, running back receiving threat. And me and Tom call him a false WR2. Um, and we saw some of the plays against the Chargers where they were trying to get 
Clyde Edwards Alaire the ball by any means, really. Um, not just rushing, but obviously trying to get the ball in, in the flats. And, and it actually led to one of Mahomes' interceptions, didn't it? Um, with the likes of Najee Harris on the other side of the ball, the Steelers obviously like to uh, use that as a rushing attack more, where we, the Chiefs don't really like to do that, or it's not been as effective. Um, I mean, comparing the stats between the two key running backs, Edwards Alaire's got 490 rushing yards and Najee Harris is 891. So there's clearly a, r- a rushing threat there from the Steelers. Um, is that going to be one of the big threats for you, Najee Harris? Yeah. Um, honestly, I think he's, you know, he's he's the kind of the focal point of their offense at this point, you know, especially with Big Ben's arm not quite being what it used to be and their receiving corpse not being the best that they've had in years past. Um, everything kind of goes through Najee Harris. Um, they don't use him as much as a receiving threat, you know, as they use him as a traditional running back, but that's Steelers in general. Um, they're, they're an old school team, you know, they want to hit you in the mouth and they want to run the ball and power run the ball, you know, down your throat mm-hmm. um, a little bit. And for Edwards Alaire, I can, you can see him trying to trying to kind of force the, the point across a little bit that we want to use them in the receiving game. Like we use Williams. Um, I don't know if it's that the other teams when they see Edwards Hilaire on the field, they know his receiving ability. And so they kind of key in on him a little bit more. Mm. Um, but it, in his career, it just hasn't been there to date. And it's so hard to diagnose what the problem on it is. Cause he, I saw a stat that said he ran a route on 64% of passing plays um, for the chiefs last week. He just, either isn't getting open or the other team's looking for him, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's getting to the point in his career where it kind of, it is what it is, you know, yeah. at this point, I think. So unfortunately, we'll hopefully he'll, uh, he'll break out though, you know, against the Steelers. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I hope so. I really do because I'm yeah. really kind of plugging through uh, for Edwards Alaire because um, he can be that guy and he can be that run that that rushing threat that we all want him to be. Um, but like you said, I don't know what it is. I mean, especially behind that offensive line, you'd think there'd be holes out there, wouldn't there? That there'd be, or, you know, blocks that, that he could run behind that you'd expect him to get some, some decent rushing yards in this. Yeah. And so I don't know, like one thing that I, you could, you could point to is he's not a top end athlete, you know? Yeah. And so he's, he's a smart player. He's a talented player. He's a tough player. He's not necessarily an overly athletic player. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see some other players like, you know, Jonathan Taylor, you know, he gets compared to him with the Colts a lot because Taylor was taken after him. Yeah. Um, but Taylor's a lot better physical athlete than, than Clyde is. Um, that doesn't mean that at the end of the day, Clyde's not going to be a great NFL player, but whenever you're, it's kind of like Dan Sorensen, whenever you're a player who's a little bit, you know, behind the eight ball athletically, you have to have other things that make up for it. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of just waiting to see what Clyde has that can make up for it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot being said about other weapons that the Steelers have got. And uh, Deontay Johnston is, uh, is another one of those threats. Uh, he's played phenomenal since he came into the league and uh, somebody that I actually have him on one of my fantasy teams. And he's been, he's been very constant for me. He's very, you know, that stagnant kind of player that 
that uh, I rely on every week, even though I've been doing terrible this year in fantasy. But nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that, do they? <laughs> but Deontay Johnson, um, what's your views on him? What kind of style of player is he? Ah, oh, man. Deontay Johnson, he's a guy who came in the league as kind of a deep threat, right? You know, kind of that third wide receiver shot play kind of guy but he's really developed into a complete wide receiver yeah um in my mind i see him almost and i could be you know you could people might disagree with me but i almost see him as a jeremy macklin type of guy yeah you know he plays he plays a little bit bigger than he actually is he's kind of, he's a pretty well-rounded um player um he's definitely the go-to guy for the steelers you know on another team would he have the same kind of production it's hard to say, right? To see mm-hmm. a product of, of being the best of kind of a depleted, depleted, depleted team. Um, I know Chase Claypool's on the team and he is who he is. I'm not a Chase Claypool fan. No, I think the guy, I think the guy's not an intelligent player and he makes a lot of boneheaded mistakes. <laughs> and I think that that shows up. I think that shows up in his play also on Sundays, you know, so I don't think he's a guy you can depend on. No, I, I think you're right there. I think uh, Chase Claypool, there was a lot said about Chase Claypool being the uh, the, the next big thing, wasn't there? And he he, he had flashes. He, had, he does have flashes of players that you can think, yeah, that, that's that's the real kind of intelligent player that you want out of him. But um, I mean, even this season, he's not been particularly um, a big threat, has he? I mean, Deontay Johnson's uh, you know, receiving yards are 1,028 compared to Chase Claypool's 765, which... Um, you, you're right there. I think I think the Chiefs defense are going to look at uh, Deontay Johnson and just think, you know what, he's probably the guy that we need to shut down most if they're not obviously looking at the the rushing threat from uh, Najee Harris. But um, yeah, interesting one, I think, with the uh, with the wide receivers. Um, and like we said before, you know, if, if Mahomes is going to be using Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey more, um, that's going to be the key, I think, for the Chiefs winning this game, I think. Uh, I think airing it out a bit more and, and, and kind of dumping off that um, that that rushing attack, I think the Chiefs have kind of got it together over the last few weeks where they are taking the short plays. Mahomes is understanding a little bit more that to get anywhere down the field, you, you don't always have to do the big chunk plays. It is just sometimes a bit of a dink and dunk, but then surprise them with the aerial attack. And we saw that quite a bit with the Chargers game. Um, I, I think the Chiefs really used that to their advantage and then um, aired it out when they needed to. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting one, that. Um, on the defensive side, um, interception leaders on both teams at the moment. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick has got two, and the Steelers have uh, got a total of nine interceptions of the season so far. Tyron Matthew is clearly the, uh, the, the, the main guy in this Chiefs defence with three interceptions, but the Chiefs also have a total of 14 interceptions in this um so it's clear that you know the chiefs have an edge i think in this game but like we were saying before i don't think roethlisberger is going to be airing it out against this chief's defense because of his arm because of his age because of you know um he he's not a mobile kind of uh, quarterback at all is he <laughs> he's almost like a statue back there so um you know i i i think Leading to this game, it's going to be more of a rushing attack, and uh, the Chiefs' defense really has to kind of prepare for that, but also kind of keep a mind out for Deontay Johnson. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that this is the type of game that kind of plays in a little bit to Spagnola's scheme of what he wants to run. He wants to kind of you know line up in a in a nickel or a base defense, and then bring an exotic blitz package 
and try to get to the quarterback, you know? And so um, if the Chiefs can play, can play man coverage or, you know, or, or a zone and then get to the quarterback via blitz, um, they can create some turnovers there. Um, for the, uh, for the Steelers, Minka Fitzpatrick's a great player. Um, he's just top tier all the way. I think yeah. part of their interception um, drought may have something to do with the fact that they get to the quarterback so quickly. He can't throw an interception if he's on the ground. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And obviously, That's a good point, yeah. you know, hitting the quarterback also forces them to make bad throws that end up being interceptions. But, um, I, you know, just taking a stab at looking at the numbers – I think that their pass defense is pretty solid, even if it doesn't show up in the turnovers. And that could have, you know, a bit to do with them just getting to the quarterback. Okay, let's go to our ones to watch. We like to do this as part of the show. Tom always gives his ones to watch, and I give mine from both teams. I'll go first. I'm going to go with TJ Watt. That 17 and a half sacks just pops off the page for me. Um, He's just such a phenomenal player that... I would love a guy like that on the Chiefs. Um, I, I, I've always said that, you know, the two players I would like in uh, on the Chiefs in the league at the moment would be uh, Nick Bosa and uh, TJ Watt, clearly for, for what they bring. I think the Chiefs, uh, Chiefs defense will be even more phenomenal with those two on the, on the, uh, on the roster. Um, what about you for the Steelers? Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Najee Harris. I think, you know, he's going to be key to what they want to try to do by controlling the ball and uh, keeping Mahomes off the field. You know, they always, it's been kind of known for a while, one of the ways to beat the Chiefs, uh, one of the best defenses against the Chiefs is long offensive drives, mm-hmm. you know, and if they can be successful running the ball, then, you know, it just improves the Steelers' chances of, of you know, getting an upset. What about the Chiefs for you? The Chiefs for me, I'm going with the Jerry Sneed. He's been out a couple of weeks, obviously, due to personal tragedy, and our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family yeah. as he works through yeah. this. Um, but all signs point to him being back with the team this week and with Charverius Ward possibly being out. I think he's going to come out like a man on fire, you know, um, and really, really step up and, and, and be a force, not just in the pass game to shut down, you know, Roethlisberger when he does, you know, try to pass the ball, but I, you know, Sneed's one of the best tackling cornerbacks in the league, you know, and he's, I, I see him getting in there on run defense and helping to try to slow down Harris if they try to, you know, control the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Tyreek Hill for the Chiefs. Uh, he's pretty pretty much an easy one after what he uh, did it against the Chargers. But um, like I said before earlier, I don't think obviously the the Steelers aren't really heavy on ints this year um, with only nine this season. But going back to what you were saying before, I kind of I kind of was thinking, well, I might have to change my uh, my ones to watch here because you're right. They 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 you know the Steelers do bring a lot of uh, you know a lot to the house. Let's say to uh, you know, to get to the the, the quarterback, and uh, that's probably what has been an outlier, really. Suppose for the inter- interception ratio, let's say. But uh, I think Tyreek Hill, you can't count him out, and I think the uh, he's going to cause the Steelers' defense a heck of a lot of problems because uh, he really feels up for it for the moment. That's what he looks like to me. He looks really up for it, and hopefully, we get Kelsey in there as well to kind of double up on that attack. Right then, predictions. I'm going to go with. Quite a healthy Chiefs 31, Steelers 17 on this game. Would you agree with that or you got a different prediction? Uh, I'm close. I'm close. I'm going to go a little bit closer. I'm going to go Chiefs 28, Steelers 20. Oh, um, right, I think the okay. Chiefs, 
I think the Chiefs cover just a little bit more than a touchdown, but I don't think it gets it. I don't think it, I think the Steelers keep it within double di- within double digits for this game. Right then. That's all we've got time for this week. Thank you so much to Rocky for uh, for filling in for Tom this week because it's been an absolute blast, mate. I really enjoyed you having on uh, having you on on the, on the uh, Great British Chiefs show. Um, hopefully, we'll get you on again. And we were talking before; we might try and get some kind of uh, three way going on with uh, myself, you, and Tom, and uh, kind of do some kind of special at some point because it's, it's always fun having you on, Rocky, because. You're the you're the go-to guy when everything falls down around us. You're the go-to guy. You're the you're the you're the the main man for this uh, for this show, mate, for sure. Awesome, yeah. I mean, the the three-way might have to be a Great British Chief show after dark, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, hey, yeah, let's do it, baby. I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really mean to say it like that, but yeah, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. <laughs> All right, okay, that's all we've got time for this week. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave us a rate and review. Check in with your boys from the kingdom every Wednesday here at Our Head Pride. And remember, you can also listen to more Chiefs-related content here on the Our Head Pride podcast network. Go and listen to Rocky on the Rapid Reaction Show. Uh, it's really good, really enjoyable, especially after the game, especially when you, you're on a high after a, a fantastic win. It's great. But all that's left to say here is, from one kingdom to another, we'll speak to you again soon.